Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word today? All right. We're going to be going today, uh, by the time I get there, you will have found 2 Samuel uh, chapter 16. And uh, today, the title of my message, uh, the, the Hounds of Hell. Doesn't that sound ominous? The, the Hounds of Hell. <laughs> well, more hound than hell, okay? Unless you happen to be in the middle of it, and then it's hell. Uh, have you ever had that situation in your life? where you have been plagued with thoughts or voices or, uh, you know, or, you, know uh, you know, you can't do it. You're a failure. Oh, look what you did. Oh, uh, you, know, you know, this is going to happen. Aren't you afraid? You know, all the different voices. You need to do this. You know, they didn't treat you right. You know, uh, you know all these things that people go through, these things that hound us. Our enemies that hound us. Well, that's pretty much where we're going to end up talking about today. But uh, I want to first tell you a story so that you can have a biblical reference. And we'll get to 2 Samuel 16 in just a moment. Uh, the story takes place approximately a thousand years before Christ. And uh, it's when King David was sitting on the throne. And he was, you know, he was uh, a little older by this time, and his children were, you know, mostly grown. And, you know, he had already fought the battles and won the wars, and things seemed to be going generally okay. And then one of his sons, named Absalom, decided that he would attempt a coup. He wants to be king. And he doesn't want to wait on a process, and he, uh, you know, he, he gets all worked up, and behind the scenes, he, he really feels like he's been treated wrong, and so he works to flatter important people in David's court and in David's kingdom. He sits outside and talks to the important people when they come in or when somebody comes in to pay a debt or maybe they got a judgment that they thought they didn't deserve. He would go along and say, well, you know, if I was king, I wouldn't treat you that way. If I was king, if I was in charge, you know, we'd be doing this. We'd be doing that. It would be a better day. Well, uh, Absalom, uh, even though he was eating at the king's table and even though he was living off of the king, nonetheless he was undermining uh, his father's goodness to him. You know, uh, he was not giving the king the respect that a king deserves, much less the respect that a father deserves. He felt undervalued. Absalom uh, felt overlooked. He felt mistreated. And no doubt these voices were eating on him all the time. You know how that can happen. Probably you've either had that experience or you know someone that is just eaten up with those hounds of hell. And insecurities can end up driving a person to think and to do some stupid things. I encourage you to familiarize yourself, familiarize yourself with, with this story. If you've not read this story, it, 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 it is uh, in the book of 2 Samuel. And you will see many ways that it applies to people's lives today. Every story has something to teach us. 
Now, one of the signs that's on the road to defeat reads, it can't happen to me. Look at me now. This is a reality. One of the signs on the road to defeat, one of the signs you will encounter on the road that leads to defeat is a sign that says, it can't happen to me. I don't have to, you know, uh, you know, I mean, now I'm okay, so I don't have to worry about this. The moment you think you don't have to worry about it, you have just put yourself in a category of being a little more subject to the temptations of life. Basically, Absalom had earlier killed one of his brothers. Now, he killed his brother Amnon, because his, who was a half-brother, because Amnon had raped Absalom's sister. And Absalom killed his half-brother. And, you know, uh, I can't say that under those circumstances and in those times that he should have been punished for it. And indeed, he wasn't punished for it. But the story today is not about Absalom killing Amnon. Perhaps Absalom disliked his father David because he felt like David didn't do enough about it. Maybe so. Or maybe Absalom felt mistreated and unsupported for years because this relationship between him and his dad wasn't going the way Absalom wanted it to go. Absalom was harboring bitterness and anger toward his dad and unforgiveness and and you know whatever the reason Absalom plotted the overthrow of his father and he did it right under his father's nose but the story today is not about Absalom stealing the hearts of the people through flattery in the process of time Absalom gathered enough support and he gathered it from key supporters, from people who had means and people who, who had influence. And he gathered enough key support that he declared himself king. Absalom said, I am the king. And he released his supporters to run out and tell everyone. And they had a significant portion of the military on their side. And so who in the world wanted to buck that? All Jerusalem was in an uproar. But the story today is not about Absalom forcing others to support him, nor about Absalom forcibly taking the throne of his father David. Even after everything that happened, David, his father, did not want to go to war with his son. He did not want to fight Absalom. God had made David a man of war, but he had no heart to harm his son in battle. So what did David do? If you're familiar with the story, you know that David gathered his friends and some close family, and David just quickly left Jerusalem. He walked out of the city and across the Kidron Valley, 
I'll show you right where he did that. Fifty of you are going with me this year, and we'll walk across that Kidron Valley in the same place, and we'll walk up the side of the Mount of Olives. Right between the Mount of Olives and Mount Scopus, there's a little indentation where you can walk right out there, and all of a sudden you're in the Judean desert, and you're headed out toward the Jordan River. That's where David led some of his friends and family, and and they walked out and left Jerusalem. Because he did not want to go to war with his son. Well, as he was walking down the other side of the hill of the Mount of Olives, headed out towards uh, the Judean desert and onto the Jordan River, there was a man. His name was Shimei. This man, and by the way, Shimei means famous. It means um, um, renowned. It means important. It, it, it also means hear me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm important. Listen to me. I'm better than you are. I'm smarter than you are. I'm wiser than you are. Listen to me. Listen to what I have to say. Hear me. I know what I'm talking about. That's what his name means. Have you ever met someone that is pretty adamant that they are unanimous in their opinions? (laughs) Have you ever met someone that imagines their opinion is fact? Or they mistake their opinion for truth? Yeah, this was Shimei. He had an opinion. What was his opinion? He hated David. He hated David because he was a part of Saul's family. And he was pro-Saul. And so when Saul was no longer the king, chances are he was going to hate the next king, whoever he was. And David did not kill Saul. Saul was killed by the Philistines, but David became king seven years later. And Shimei hated David. And he, was, he felt like he was important. I'm a part of of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a part of the clan. I am a part of of, of the ruling political class of the nation, and and, and I have a right to my opinion, and therefore. Well, he felt justified in what he was going to do, and he felt like David deserved to be told off. After all, David is getting his comeuppance, you know, and... So he really felt like, you know, uh, this is my point. This is my time. I believe he's an illegitimate king, and it's time somebody told him off. (laughs) It made Shimei happy to see what he considered justice finally being delivered to this dirty dog, David. But the story today is not about Shimei. The Bible relates the account much better than I can tell it, so we're going to go to 2 Samuel 16, and, and, and we're going to read the account for ourselves. And uh, uh, Now, remember, David is running for his life from his son, and, you know, David was put on the throne by God, but his son felt like David deserved because he hadn't treated people right you know David's leaving because he just doesn't see any future in fighting his son David loves Absalom and David knows that no one is perfect 
David even looks at his own life. And of all the people in the world, David knows he's not perfect. You know, David has those same hounds of hell. In, five, in, in, in fact, if you read the Psalms, you can read David's continual lament for things that he experienced or did. But he seems to always defeat them and come out and say, but the Lord delivered me. But the Lord. Well, 2 Samuel 16. I'll read from the New Living Translation. Uh, David is, remember, he's running out of Jerusalem. Okay, He's going down the side of the far side of the Mount of Olives. He's about, he's about a mile and a half, a mile to a mile and a half outside the city. Verse 5. As King David came to Bahurim, a man came out of the village cursing him. It was Shimei, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king. Whoa. <laughs> And the king's officers and all the mighty warriors that surrounded the king. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine for you are a murderer. I'd say this guy has a problem. He'd been, he been bottling this up a little too long. You know? he, he, he got a real... And fact of the matter, even God said, David, you can't build my house because you got too much blood on your hands. You know, he's not saying things that are completely false. Now, that's where you can get tripped up. Whenever... You're being accused of something you actually did. Hello, come on now. <laughs> Whenever you're being reminded and those thoughts are running and, and the devil's accusing you and you know, you're the one that knows you did it. You are guilty. You're right. Oh, boy, you got to watch out for those. Because Shimei here is not saying something that's not true. Outside of the fact he's assumed as many people do, that when you have problems, God's finally got you. That'll show you. That'll teach you. <laughs> oh, wow. I love the Bible. It just helps me get over stuff. <laughs> so this is going on. I'm, you know, I'm a man. He's throwing rocks. He's, you know, and he's on the other side of a little crevice, a little valley. Shimei's on one side and David and him are going down this other, you know, he's got a little distance separation there, but he's throwing rocks and he's cursing and he's, he's accusing and he's blaming and he's feeling justified and everything. And so, uh, you know, uh, uh, verse nine, uh, um, why should this dead dog curse the Lord, my King Abishai, son of Zeruiah demanded, who was one of David's, you know, uh, Military buddies. Let me go over and cut off his head. There you go. <laughs> now we're talking, right? No, the king said. Who asked your opinion, you sons of Zerirah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop? I mean, there's always a chance 
Because what they're saying has a lot of truth. There's always a chance here that I need to check in with God before I start imagining that I'm the innocent one here. Boy, this is good stuff. You just can't get this anywhere, you know. Yeah, you're right. I'm talking about you. Yeah, and you. Yeah. <laughs> so, then David said to Abishai and all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for God has told him to do it. Boy, there's, that's a hole you get into that it's hard to get out of. My own son, he's, he's trying to bring it into perspective, what's going on in David's heart. Listen, this guy cursing me ain't nothing. My own son is cursing me. He's trying to kill me. He's sending the military out to chase after me. This ain't nothing. You ever face something that looked real bad and to you? It didn't look like nothing because you had a bigger problem right beside it. That's what he's feeling. Verse 12. And perhaps the Lord, leave him alone, let him curse me. Perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. You know, David always holds out that the Lord is on his side, that the Lord is the one trying to help him, that the Lord loves him. Maybe the Lord will see that this guy is really berating me. Yeah. I hadn't done right, but I've been forgiven. Maybe the Lord will count that as wrong. You know, there's only two ways to get to heaven. One is to be perfect. I think you missed that boat. One is to be perfect, the other one is to be perfected. And we have been perfected in Christ. No way that I can go back, no way David can go back and undo the things he did, he thought, he felt, he wanted. But Christ covers that with his blood. Amen. Yeah, give him a hand. Because he doesn't just, he doesn't just own the right to be my king, he earned the right to be my king. That was real blood. Verse 13, so David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them all, you know, uh, kept them on a nearby hillside, cursing as he went and throwing stones at David and tossing dust in the air. I mean, this guy just won't quit, relentless like a hound of hell. And the king and all who were with him grew weary along the way. So they rested when they reached the Jordan River. Now, David said, perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me. You know, David was the first one, as I said, to realize he was not perfect. David didn't argue with Shimei. He didn't try to defend himself. David was not, if you read, he was not the best father. He was not the best husband. He was not the best captain. He was not the best king. In every situation of life, we see David making mistakes. We see him doing things that, that, that you know, he regretted later. He was not even the best son. He was not the best friend. Life is tough. David made plenty of mistakes. He had regrets, and no doubt he lived every day thinking of how he could have done things better. 
He knew God had plenty of reasons if God wanted to replace him. He wasn't against that. No doubt the enemies in his mind told him every day. All David could do at this moment, he did. He placed his trust in God. However, the story today is not about David. If the story is not about Amnon, not about Absalom, not about Shimei, not about David, then who in the world is the story about? You guessed it. This story is about you. This story is about you. It always is. Every story in the Bible is always about us. And what are we going to do? You see, you're supposed to find yourself in every story and hope that you're the good guy. And if not, then change places. <laughs> change your attitude. Change your, your, uh, your hope. David wrote to all of us in Psalms 56. Listen to what David said. Verse 1. Be merciful to me. Boy, that's what I need. This is my psalm. Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. That's where I got our title, Hounds of Hell. My enemies, whew, if I allow them, they will hound me all day. Some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, thank the name of Jesus and dance every morning and dance every night. But I know, I don't know anyone over the age of 30 that doesn't wear a little sackcloth in their life. My enemies would hound me all day for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Verse 3, whenever I am afraid. I will trust you. And that's what David was doing on that hillside that day. You know, one of his greatest fears, I imagine, was the fear that Shimei was right. That this was perhaps judgment for something he had missed. Something he'd accumulated. But then he remembered. But still he cried, have mercy on me. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust you. You know, sometimes it's hard to recognize the difference between fear and anger and hurt. I tell people at times, just because your spouse or your parent, your teacher, your student, your child, just because they present as being angry, does not mean they're angry. It could mean they're afraid. It could mean that they're hurting. Don't read the worst into everything. Whenever you are afraid, whenever you're hurt, whenever you're angry, whenever you feel mistreated, whenever you feel like you have a right and a reason to be bitter, to strike out, put your trust in God. And like David, let God decide. That's what he said. I'll let God decide. A thousand years later, the Apostle Paul wrote to us. 
In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2 and verse 8, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You know what I'm thankful for every day? I'm thankful that it was by God's grace I was saved because I would have never made it on my own. Without His gift, I could never have, have achieved salvation. I could not have climbed that mountain. And it's hard for me to go you know, a day without disappointing myself or someone else. But He's there. He's there and He's always merciful and He's always kind. He's always caring. So like David, I have decided not to stop. And I'm going to encourage you, don't stop at your next hurdle. Because you're leaving here on your way to your next test. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. But now you know the answer. It's not a bad deal. There's only two things you need to pass any test in life. Number one is to know the right answer. Number two is to apply that answer. If you don't know the right answer, you're just shooting in the dark. And even if you know the right answer, but you don't write it down on the paper, you still fail. Okay? Knowing the answer and applying it creates success in every test. So now you know the answer whenever you're afraid, when you're hurt, whenever you feel like, gosh, you know, what, what I'm being told is the truth and it's a horrible truth, but yes, I did. What can you do? but to put your trust in God. That Almighty God will be the deciding factor, as He was in David's life. Because the end of the story, David walked back into Jerusalem and sat back on that throne and ruled the kingdom until he died, the ripe old age, turning the crown over to his son Solomon, just as God intended. Once you have given your heart to Jesus... Life is no longer limited by what you have done. But rather it is by what He has done. It's not what I did, it's what He did. In time, just like David and just like Paul, if you place your trust in God, He will silence those enemies. Amen? Have you placed your trust in Him? It's a very simple step. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's quite hard for some people. But it is very simple. It's so simple some people miss it. Number one, you recognize that you need a Savior. You know, God helps us with that. It's called conviction, you know. It's not the same as condemnation. It feels a little like guilt. You know, conviction. I, I, I recognize I need a Savior. Number two, repent of your sins. That's simply to find the place in your heart where you're sorry for what you did and given the chance you wouldn't do that again. That's repentance. Turn. There's nothing you can do. You can't go back. Repent doesn't mean go back. Repent means turn. You turn, say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to try it a different way. Repent and then receive. Once you recognize and once you repent, you can then receive. 
and you receive Jesus on purpose. It's like applying the answer. You can know the answer, but not apply the answer and miss, you know, miss out. Applying the answer is receiving. It is an act. It is an on-purpose act of inviting Jesus into your heart. You heard me ask Steve this morning, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Yes, I have. Let me ask you the same question. Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Have you? Have you? Invite him in today. In fact, let's pray right now. Pray with me right now. You can do it silently in your head. You can do it out loud. You can do it at home. You can do it in a car. You can do it, you know, wherever you may be. But pray this prayer with me right now. Let's recognize, repent, and receive. God, I recognize. Just pray this with me. God, I recognize I need a Savior. I recognize I need you in my life. Lord, I'm guilty of so many things, <laughs> we can't name them all. But God, I need your mercy. I want your gift, Lord. I can't do it on my own. So right now, I turn from my way to your way. Lord, I don't know how to do this except I give you my life, and I'm sorry. Lord, given the chance, I, I'll do my best to do things different. Lord, as I recognize and repent, I want to receive your son Jesus into my heart. Forgive me, God, of my sins. Save my soul. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I receive you. Now teach me and lead me. Guide me and help me to be the best version of myself for my family, my friends and for future, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing, both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.